You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era, improv, news stories, and gush like squealing K-pop fangirls about our favorite movies, TV, and games. I'm Josh. I'm Mike. I'm Sam. And we were raised by rentals. Mike, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to gush. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I tried to do a uh, Kool-Aid man there and kind of stopped halfway through, so it was a little (laughs) half-hearted. Oh, man. Uh, Sam, welcome back to the Raised by Rentals studio parlor, whatever you want to call it here. Thanks for having me. Three episodes in a row with a guest host. That's crazy. Seriously. <laughs> what are we Probably doing over here? <laughs> <laughs> we must be doing something right. So, right. People keep coming back. And uh, I was joking with Mike that we're probably never going to have guests ever again because it's 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 hard to improv. And like, I'm always nervous that like when people come on for an improv and maybe they won't be able to or like it's hard to get put on the spot live on a recording, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, maybe we should just keep doing it ourselves. We'll get all these guest hosts out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I felt bad on the uh, the short circuit episode because I felt like I just kept going like and another thing. <laughs> I love how you keep throwing the Terminator in there. <laughs> we, keep bringing we, him back. <laughs> we got to have Arnie thrown in there. <laughs> it's become a rule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somehow we have to always make sure that, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and one of his characters, yeah, definitely, like, shows up in an episode every time as much as possible. And well, I, it, you know, the funny thing is, like, I've never considered myself that big of an Arnie fan until we started talking about his movies on this podcast. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I really do like almost all of his movies, don't I? Like, holy and crap, I guess I'm That too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's kind of having a moment right now, too. Like, I was going to do some research for our next uh, Arnieverse big crossover episode coming up soon. And so I'm going back and I'm watching a couple of movies. The last time I tried to do the same homework a couple of months ago before we delayed the episode, I couldn't find any of the three movies I wanted to watch for free on streaming. But then yep. just two weeks ago, they were all free on streaming. And there is a new Arnie documentary, a three-part documentary series that came out. I think I want to say it's on Prime, but it could be Netflix. I, those are the two I was flip-flopping back. But yeah, but between Amazon Prime and Netflix, not only do they have a shitload of Schwarzenegger movies, but they had the documentary. And then he has a new TV show, Bar, and mm-hmm. a new movie – and it's like he's got a whole bunch of new shit coming out. And I didn't watch Food Bar yet. It's on my list. I did watch the documentary while I was on a plane. And holy shit, I was like riveted. It was three episodes in a row. And I didn't even realize I had watched the whole thing. Uh, oh, damn. It's super interesting. And then I went ahead and watched. I'll just say I went ahead and watched Kindergarten Cop and Twins. And they, <laughs> they were both a shitload of fun. I still got to watch True Lies next. Yep. And I, I remember not. that movie. Same. I it's remember like not liking True Lies. Oh, oh so man, good. I loved it when I first so saw it. Good. That's one I remember seeing in the theater <laughs> and and just really liking. Like I thought it was a lot yeah. of fun. Plus, I you know, it doesn't hurt that I, I had a huge crush on Jamie Lee Curtis back in the day <laughs> and she does that whole dance Damn. sequence. It was like, hey now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I forgot yeah. how old I was when I was when I saw that. I was definitely a teenager, but it was you know teenage Mike was paying attention. <laughs> so like boobs. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, Ooh, hello. <laughs> I had a crush on Tom Arnold. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean who didn't? It was the nineties. Come on now. <laughs> I think yeah, I think every like movie casting way, director did. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I remember not really liking True Lies that much when I saw it originally. I've seen it a few times since then, and like I think every time it grows on me. So, but now that I've become so much more of a fan, I'm really curious to watch it again. With it was like when we watched Last Action Hero, and I just had all this like baggage of like the critical reception and the general, you know, opinion of the movie, and, and then watching it years later without all of that kind of you know stuff in the ether where people were bagging on the movie i watched the action action hero and it was a fucking ball like it was so fun oh, yeah and that's like i absolutely love that movie now it's definitely maybe not one of my favorites but i'd put it up there with one of his big successes for sure oh absolutely and it was the same way for me i remember seeing it in the theater and i didn't hate it i i liked it enough in the theater but i remember feeling kind of disappointed because i didn't get it like i was mm-hmm. you know kind of hoping for a big action movie and it was a little too silly for my liking at the time now watching it as an adult and I, and I watched it when, when we watched it for the show, I watched it um, with Caleb and he knew nothing about it. So getting to see his reaction really made the film better for me. Cause it was like, I get it now. This was aimed at kids. It wasn't aimed at like, you know, action movie fans at the time, you know, it was, it was like, Hey, for you guys here, here's this fun little silly action movie. For the rest of you guys that are crazy action fans, here's a, a movie parodying action movies, you know, and it, it was I, I I really like it now. It grew on me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I don't know how we started talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger again. He dominates every fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> All things Becky lead back soul. to Arnold. <laughs> but it uh, used to be like the seven degrees of bacon or whatever. We just need to change it to seven degrees of Arnold. Exactly. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, that would be a really good episode, like, uh, topic, too. <laughs> it yeah. really would be. Uh, so, Sam, you're back. Welcome back once again. Sam of Western Thank New York you. Horror Crew and Jerry's Closet fame. Um, I was listening to the new episode of Count Creepyhead's Saturday Morning Monster Mash today. And, of course, you not only did you come up, but you were on the episode along with Brandon. So that was cool. Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, we're, I'm stoked to have you back uh, to listen to on that show and back on this one as well. In our last episode, we had a ball. And I feel like we were kind of, kind of fighting with each other over who can get like the best idea or the best storyline for our uh, installment in the Return of the Living Dead franchise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that was so much fun. But it but was. we made we made a huge mistake, a huge oversight in that episode, which is somehow we came up with a story about teenage zombies drinking Slurpees at the mall, and not one of us ever thought about brain freeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That would have been the perfect thing to brand the drinks, too, especially since we wouldn't be able to call them Slurpees or Icy's if the movie was actually made. So having a popular, you know, frozen drink come out at the mall, like it's the new Brain Freeze flavor, would have just been so perfect for the movie that I Uh, felt like I had to say it the next time you came on. I'm glad you're back just so I can tell everybody about the Brain Freeze. And if if somebody's (laughs) drinking the Slurpee and then they get the Brain Freeze and then they turn into the zombie. Yep. So it yes. literally <laughs> caused their death and then their reanimation instantly afterwards. 
Oh God! Right? <laughs> and then bite he bite the person next to him. <laughs> yeah. And there's got to be at least one scene where you know when you're drinking something with a straw sometimes and like it gets stuck because there's like a big piece of ice or like something in your cup and then mm-hmm. you su- suddenly you're like sucking nothing and then so what if somebody did that and they pulled the straw out and there was like a piece of like pink brain dripping off the end of it. <laughs> Mm, (laughs) (laughs) i like how we both went to brains being yummy i know right (laughs) (laughs) we watched too many zombie movies at that point (laughs) i know it's like become like a pavlovian response now you just hear brain you're like "Ooh, i'm hungry now (laughs) (laughs) totally it was um the new Monster High um, webisodes, there was an episode where, like, Gulia talks in the new webisodes, and um, she was, like, trying to sing, but she kept saying brains. Like, anytime she <laughs> says brains, she, like, goes into zombie mode, but then, like, she talks <laughs> normal when she doesn't say it. It was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. She'll be talking, and all of a sudden, she's like, brains? <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. That's one fandom I've never indulged in. Um, But, Mm. you know, I I am notorious and ask Mike how many movies I have on my list of like shit that I'll watch eventually because there's just like so much good stuff in the world. But I'm I'm so deep in my own fandom and my my to read and to watch lists are so long that it's like I got to stay focused or. It's like I don't even enjoy myself anymore because I'm too worried about like trying to keep up with something or like watch everything and and then you know those are the, those are the nights when I end up staying up all night binging some show that I don't even like because people told me it was good you know and yep. it's like what do I even do this for yeah <laughs> yeah it's hard to keep up especially with so many amazing things coming out like and so many great creators out there too oh yeah. Well, I know, like, one thing I'm worried about with uh, the convention this weekend is I feel like I'm going to have Mandalorian Season 3 and uh, Secret Invasion spoiled for me because I haven't had a chance to watch either of them. And, I mean, I'm trying desperately to finish The Last of Us because I'm like, (laughs) I have a Last of Us piece that I'll be selling. And I'm like, I I know people are going to be like, oh, my God, what do you think of the ending? And I'm like, I didn't get there yet. Stop it. That's the worst too when you're like, sorry, I didn't get there yet, and then like your anxiety's kicking up and you're like, oh shit. No spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> yep. Oh god, yeah. That's how I feel like every time a new Star Wars thing comes out. Even if I don't end up watching it, like I never watch like Kenobi, for example, but it's like I get this anxiety about like, don't talk to me about it, don't talk to me about it. Like it's on my right. list. I'm I'm gonna fucking watch it, I swear, but first I gotta finish Joe and Carol, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Uh, but yeah, I think this is all a great segue, though, because even though we've just been, you know, bullshitting for 10 minutes about random <laughs> stuff, the the fact is here on Raised by Rentals, we are nearing our 50th episode, which side note, I just I cannot believe that I just said that out loud, but we're, we're nearing our 50th episode. And <laughs> this podcast and the other podcasts that we're involved with, with the Red Pantheon and Mike, you're on two other podcasts Mm-hmm. These have given us all a chance to like reconnect with friends from back in the day, right? People yep. we were drawn to at some point because of a shared love of comics or genre movies yeah. or toys or whatever. And, you know, for me personally, I live in Texas now. And while I have friends here and like Josh Hibbert is here, but I'm pretty far from the majority of my family and my lifelong friends physically far away. So 
podcasting has become how I hang out with my friends now, you know? Um, yeah. But in, instead of like, hey, let's go get a drink or let's go see a movie or something, we schedule recording time and then we let the world in on our weird, wild hangout conversations. <laughs> <laughs> it exactly. literally would be what we'd be talking about if we were hanging out together. Oh, absolutely. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. the same stuff. You know, in fact, you know, we were just talking before the recording started, like just getting uh, warmed up a little bit. And yeah, you know, Sam, you were like, look, you need to start recording this because we're getting so far into the conversation, <laughs> just chit chatting about stuff. But it's like, no, no, this is what we're here for. You know, so let's hit record and, and get into it. Um, so on that note, I wanted to focus our theme today of a super gushers episode where we just get to gush about something that we love about pop culture. It's the opposite of a rental rant. Instead of bitching about the stuff that pisses us off, like let's give credit where credit is due. And I think it would be really fun today if we spent some time gushing about how we ended up in pop culture fandom in the first place, right? Who were the yeah. people early on who influenced us or who introduced us to whatever your favorite thing is? Or maybe there was like a book or a movie that was like really formative that twisted your brain into being obsessed with all these like fictional worlds and rad merch, you know? <laughs> um, so Sam, I'm going to put you on the spot if you don't mind as our guest, do you want to go first? Do you want to tell us like, what was it early in your life that got you into being, you know, we'll call it a nerd, we'll call it a geek, whatever, but you know, what made you different and get obsessed with all this pop culture stuff? <laughs> So when I was little, um, my parents had a game store inside of our house and they would have people on the weekends come over and they play D&D &D and stuff. And uh, this was probably I was born on a base in Florida and then we moved to Ohio and then we moved to the Buffalo area. And I was probably about like five or six when they started and I remember when I was like six or seven, I'd, I would sneak down and I'd hide under the table and I would just listen to their campaign and just listen to everything that was going on and stuff. And <laughs> I'd either fall asleep or get caught and then have to go back up to my room. So uh, I was very fortunate that both my parents were nerds. So that definitely like um, my mom and dad were both crazy about music, crazy about games, movies. Um, my mom actually went into labor when they went to a double feature of Jaws. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I was a little late and they thought uh, that might help. <laughs> <laughs> But um, my parents got divorced when I was eight. Uh, another few traumatic things happened in that time, which kind of got me really secluded. So spending so much time by myself, I was reading a lot, uh, comics, books, uh, playing video games. Um, not too much. My brother played video games more, but every once in a while I'd play with them. So, but I was a huge reader and goosebumps, man, when, <laughs> when that came out, it was great oh, and yeah. yeah and fear street used to read a ton of those and basically like anything i could get my hands on that was like myths like kind of mythological or like classic monsters and stuff mm -hmm. so um i feel like that's kind of the big draw to monster high now is because any like mm -hmm. of us creepy girls that grew up you know loving all that stuff and everything like it covers like everything 
Like, it's crazy. Like, somebody could be random, like, oh, yeah, they probably don't have, you know, the daughter of a troll or whatever. And it's like, yeah, they do. And she loves video games. (laughs) 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 You know, and I think it's so cool that, like, the webisodes, like, introduce you to the toys. So, like, you're seeing, like, if you're seeing, like, a new webisode and you're seeing, like, a different, like, outfit change or a different character or whatever, you're going to be able to play with that. Like, that's pretty awesome. You know, that's like G.I. Joe in the 80s. Yep, I was going to say, I used to love that about He-Man, G.I. Joe, and Ninja Turtles. But like, ooh. Yeah. Although, to be fair, some sometimes those they'd introduce a character that was uh, exclusive to the cartoon, and then we would never get a toy of them. And it was like, damn it, I want that toy. <laughs> and and then my dad used to, like, um, do trivia with me. So he'd ask me, like, you know, questions on how to kill certain monsters and stuff. And if I answered the trivia right, I got a toy. <laughs> ah, sort of kind of like cool. he, he was always kind of like testing me on stuff too and anytime like he found something that was really interesting or my mom found something that was really interesting like they would like share it with me and be like oh mm-hmm. here read this or you know here check this out and um speaking of what we were talking about earlier my dad used to get so upset when he's like you didn't read that yet or you didn't watch that yet and it's like yeah i got you know i gotta work and a house to clean and animals and <laughs> I got responsibilities. Yep. Ugh. <laughs> uh, oh, but some of the best times was when uh, my dad took me. I went to Gen Con, that big gaming convention in Indianapolis in 2009, I think. Not quite sure of the year. It might be 2011. But um, that was amazing. Like going to that almost week long gaming convention. There was just stuff going on 24 seven. I remember they nice. had a movie theater with like anime going all night. I uh, was watching Van Helsing in there and I didn't finish it. So as soon as I got home, I'm like, oh, I need to find the rest of this. I need to finish this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's really cool. It's cool that you you had some memories that maybe not weren't so good and you had some some time in sort of seclusion with where you got you know time to mm-hmm. spend in movies and games and while that's not good but it's good that you had a family you know who very early on you know especially your dad who introduced you to all that stuff that's awesome yeah uh, yeah my experience was very different mike i don't know if you want to go next what about you did, did was your family into comics and horror and i mean i know you, i know your brother used to like to torture you <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, it's it's weird. the The horror fandom is definitely uh, mostly from my my siblings and my dad. Um, my my dad never was like a horror fan, but he always read like tons of Stephen King and Dean Koontz. So there was always like horror novels in the house that I would like steal and go read. <laughs> so <laughs> nice with the um, covers. Yeah, exactly. The cover art would always get me. And I'm like, oh, I want to find out what that's about. And then I'd get frustrated, you know, like at least, you know, my eight year old self, I'd get frustrated that it didn't happen in like the first five minutes of the, the book. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm only three or four pages in. Where's the cool stuff from the cover? You know, but uh, but no, I, I got into a lot of like horror reading because I would steal my dad's books. But when I was really little, we would do family movie night and we tended to watch a lot more genre picks. So a lot more like heavy action or sci-fi or horror movies. And um, usually what would happen is my dad would pick one and like my brother and sister would pick one. And then as you know, as I got older, I started picking as well. Uh, So we would watch stuff like Commando followed by like, you know, Silver Bullet, you know, stuff like that. And um, so I I associated watching all of these, you know, these movies with, with comforting times. 
Um, and then like, as far as like the video game stuff, that was mainly my brother. He, we play, he, we got a Commodore 64 very early on. And, um, this is back in the, the wild West days of video games when you could copy a friggin' video game on a floppy disk. And, uh, so like all my dad's buddies at work were constantly swapping games. So it's like, we had maybe four or five that we actually purchased and then a giant stack (laughs) of blank discs that we would just trade and get new games. (laughs) <laughs> oh those days <laughs> yep so me and my brother would sit there playing video games like all the time and a lot of them were like those old adventure games so stuff like the lucas arts uh like maniac mansion uh zach mccracken and the alien Mindbenders, you know stuff like that or uh the the old word adventure games like the zork games oh um, yeah so Ooh. we used to play that stuff all the time when i was a kid and, like, that definitely introduced me to video games. And it was funny because, like, all my friends had a Nintendo, and I never had a Nintendo. But I, like, I got used to playing it at their house, so I always wanted a console instead of a computer. But it's come full circle where it's, like, now everyone I know plays on console, and I'm still playing on a computer. So it's, like, <laughs> I'm still addicted to my computer games. Um, but as far as the the toys go... That was uh, that was me and my brother. Like my my brother had when when I was real real little, he had a lot of the um, like older stuff from the seventies, like the the um, forget which wave of GI Joe it was, but it was when they rebranded GI Joe as a sci fi soldier, and they were like they were still the the larger. I don't know if they were full twelve inch, but they had the cloth outfits and all that. He had a bunch of those. Oh along- yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you know, and they had like the big alien reptile monster that they fought. Uh, it was a lot of weird shit, but he had a lot of those. So I'd play with those with him when I was a kid. And then, of course, He-Man came out when I was like three. So, <laughs> you know, we got into that. And then we would just end up having these like long battles like all over the house with like assorted a action figures. So, again, it was one of those uh, just childhood, you know, pastimes. Um, but I, I remember specifically what got me like got the collecting itch um, was Ninja Turtles. Now, I remember seeing those seeing the figures first. I saw them in Kmart. I'll never forget this. <laughs> it was around Christmas time. I want to say 1988. And um, I see these figures hanging on end cap and I was obsessed. I'm like, they're like monsters, but also ninjas. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And of course, it was around Christmas. So my parents were like, no, 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 you're not getting anything. You know, and then they just got me the four turtles and and the foot soldier for Christmas. Um, But I was I was obsessed with the toys. And then my sister, seeing how much I liked the action figures, got me one of the Mirage comic books, which blew my mind because I'm like, I knew nothing of the story. I just knew (laughs) like what the file card said. And then I'm seeing them like stabbing fools and like killing Shredder. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. And then the cartoon comes along and I'm like, wait, what happened to all the violence? <laughs> <laughs> Why are they saying radical and eating pizza? I don't understand this. But, you know, I quickly glommed onto it. And it was like I, I had it was the first time that I had that multimedia experience of like I have the toys, I have comic books and I have a cartoon to watch. And I became obsessed with that world. Like, I started reading everything I could get, all the Mirage books. I even bought the, um, now I'm forgetting the role-playing game they had, but they had a tabletop role-playing game, and I even bought the handbook for how to play the game. I had no one to play it with, but I just sat there reading the rules. (laughs) I used to go to House of Fantasy and buy all of it. (laughs) Yeah. I used to do that with the Shadowrun uh, tabletop game. 
I never understood the game, but so like cool. I just liked the lore, and so yeah, I would just read like all the the player books or whatever they're called, the manuals, and yep. it was like yeah. they were. I think I read one novel, um, which I barely remember, and I realized later on it was a really a huge ripoff of Neuromancer, but st- whatever, it was still really fun to just read the game book. Right. No, that's how I felt about the about the Ninja Turtle thing, and. The funny thing is, like, I never kind of, I never really got out of Ninja Turtles. Like, I stopped buying the toys um, when I was a teenager, because mainly I was, you know, moving on to video games and comic books at that point. Um, but, like, you know, now it's all circled back. Like, every iteration of the Ninja Turtles that's come out, I've either watched the cartoon and bought toys, or at least bought some of the toys from the the iteration. But um, as far as, like, the, the horror obsession, because I know, you know, being... On the Boogeyman's Closet, that's kind of what I'm known for as being a, the horror guy. Um, that really is my mainly my siblings. Like I said, like we we watched, we did the family movie night, but then me and my siblings continued on even without my parents. Um, my parents used to go bowling every weekend, and it would just be the three of us home alone. So we would watch Joe Bob Briggs on on the movie channel, nice. and um, we oh I was obsessed. Like we every horror movie, we were just like, what's this one gonna be? That's how I saw like Basket Case <laughs> and shit like that was because of Joe Bob Briggs. Um, nice. And then, you know, years Same later, when, when my brother kind of, you know, he, he discovered girls and stopped watching all that stuff. He was like, I, I'm too cool for that now. Um, and it was me and my sister. We'd go to Blockbuster every week and we'd rent some random horror movie that we had no idea what it was and a comedy to, as, as like a palate cleanser. <laughs> we would just, <laughs> nice. Every week we'd be like, oh, let's watch, like, let's watch Dawn of the Dead. And then we're like, okay, now we got to watch like Caddyshack. You know, just to, like, go to bed. <laughs> you know what I just realized that I can't believe I didn't put together, like, sooner? My mom's a huge zombie fan. And I ah. never really, like, realized it. And then, like, thinking about it, like, she tends to watch most of the stuff before I do. And then when I, like, mention something about it, she's like, oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I don't know why like she's never openly said I'm a zombie movie fan so maybe that's why it kind of just slipped my mind but like just recently I'm like man yeah my mom loves zombie movies <laughs> well, that's, see, that's funny. funny it's like with my mom with the old black and white horror movies like she always says stuff to me like oh I can't believe you watch all these horror movies and I'm like really like you and me used to watch stuff like House on Haunted Hill, The Haunting, oh, Alfred Hitchcock oh, movies. So like, good. And she was like, "Oh yeah, I guess we did watch that." I'm like, yeah, then me and Dad Davy would be watching like The Howling and Silver Bullet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My grandma Granquist watched those old black and white movies with me. She loved she loved mystery novels too, and she got me really deep into them for a while. <laughs> she oh, was nice. like giving me boxes each time I came down for the summer, and I would literally like read through the entire like box. Like just <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. Well, that's what awesome. about you, yeah. Josh? How'd you get in? Yeah, I was going to say, my parents weren't really into, like, pop culture stuff, you know, other than, you know, just normal things that people were into in the 80s and 90s, you know. I think my dad was always, like, a big fan, but his fandom was sports, which is something that I didn't really ever think of as a fandom until I was older. To me, it was just like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, sports ball, whatever, I don't care. But my Mm -hmm. dad was super into collecting, like, like cards like hockey cards and baseball cards and so i always thought that that was really normal and in the 80s it was like the trading card market was pretty big so oh, you know my uncle owned a store in tonawanda oh, awesome. yeah so your dad might have even probably been there 
probably. Do you remember the name of it? No, I can't offhand. It was behind my um, grandfather's gun store, and it was on Minerva and Delaware in Tonawanda. Mm. Can't remember the name of it, but he had sports cards, and he was super into it, too. And he had the store open probably late 80s, early 90s. I've probably been there. I don't remember a lot of those stores. I remember tagging <laughs> along with my dad, though, and he would, like, make the circuit, like, every weekend. He would go to, like, the Super Flea Market, and he would go, mm-hmm. you know, to all, all the – there were several stores, even in Niagara Falls. I don't remember the name of it either, but right next to the comic book store on Pine Avenue in Niagara Falls, the, the House of Fantasy, right next to it for a brief period in the 90s, there was a sports memorabilia store, which I only remember because the guy who owned it, his son was in my class at school, and so whenever I would go – to buy comics or for a while when I worked at the house of fantasy, I would always see Ryan next door, you know? Um, and, but yeah, my dad was always like dragging me along and I was never into sports. I mean, I would go to baseball games as an adult. Now I like baseball, but as a kid, I think because my dad was so obsessed with it, I was just like, okay, enough already. Like, I don't want to go to the games. I don't want to go to the card store anymore. I don't want to go to the sports memorabilia store anymore. But, you know, we were kids in the 80s, my brother and I. So we were into, of course, we were into He-Man and G.I. Joe. And my brother, I, rem- I remember him being really big into Voltron. And I remember uh, that there was one Christmas, where, the one early, like, big Christmas that I remember being really excited about was when we got the Castle of Lions and all of the oh. lions. And it was like a shared gift for us both. Like, here's every toy, basically, in the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I remember it's because my mom's cousin Billy had been living with us for a little while after he uh, he moved to Massachusetts where we were living, and I think it was like Billy went in with my parents, and it was like the best Christmas ever, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and I and I loved it, but I didn't have any like special love for Voltron or He Man. It was just kids the '80s, and we just liked it. There was so much pop culture, it was like you couldn't avoid it. You know, the Ghostbusters and everything, and action movies. But there wasn't any like one thing that really captured my attention that I was like super obsessed with. But you know, uh, I remember being really into the Garbage Pail Kids cards. My dad would buy them, you know, for me when we would go to the sports yeah. store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, me yeah. too. I fucking love those things. I was always annoyed that there wasn't like a good Josh. There's a sloshed Josh and a squashed Josh, but I don't really like either one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I got a slimy Sam. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my first foray into trading cards was Dinosaur Attack. You guys remember those? <laughs> Yes. Yep. <laughs> I freaking loved those cards. That's so cool. Yeah, we could have a whole other side conversation too about like Mars attacks and and, oh. and people don't realize that you know Arch Spiegelman, the first person to ever win a Pulitzer Prize for a comic book with Mouse, he got his start was working in advertising, and he actually designed or partially designed the Wacky Racers and the garbage pail kids and i think also some of the mars attacks like first line like because he was working in advertising as an illustrator oh that's awesome i miss those kind of cards <laughs> <laughs> me too i remember when trading cards were kind of like a normal thing like you'd go to the store for like a soda or like we would ride our bikes to the corner store my brother and i just for something to do and you know mm-hmm. we'd spend our allowance you'd spend like what 50 cents on a pack of car- trading cards and a piece of shitty gum and yep. it was just something, it was just something yeah. to do and you know it was cheap cheap <laughs> entertainment yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs> and then, then, then you trade them with your friends and, you know, yeah. hang out. We used to do that with the uh, the Marvel and X-Men trading cards. We'd go to Fielder's yeah. Choice, if you guys remember yeah, that store. I do remember Fielder's <laughs> Choice, yep. We'd, we'd go there, we'd buy a couple packs of cards, we'd go to Brady's next door, buy like a soda and like a Freezy Pop, and go hang out on my buddy's porch and open our cards. 
Oh, God, I remember Brady's, too. Jerry's Closet has so many cards. Oh, Josh, you have Wildcat cards? Because we have some extras of those. It's not a full set. I don't collect them. I do have some right next to me on my desk. I have them up mm-hmm. on my, like, collage board of, like, cool shit that I like to keep in my office. Um, but all the ones I have, I've just – I've organically come across them. Either somebody gave them to me or I found them or whatever. I'm, I don't – I'm – I am actually afraid to start collecting anything outside of comics <laughs> yeah. because I know yeah. how I am. And if I get yep. more than a couple, I'll have to own all of them. And I just can't afford that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll send you a picture and then I'll include that when I yeah. uh, send you some sauce. So. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Let me know what you have because I will eventually come and see you in person. And I, I'm going to budget uh, specifically to come and spend some money in the store because I want to dig through your comic boxes so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. But, I know if but, you're in town, I'll hear from you. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's funny, Mike, that you mentioned Filler's Choice because that's actually where I was going with my long preamble was after sort of, you know, being, you know, peripherally into the pop culture of the 80s and the early 90s. My dad once again dragged me along to the, to the sports memorabilia store and it was at the Fielder's Choice where I saw the Marvel trading card, Marvel Superheroes Series 1, and I asked mm-hmm. my dad to buy me one. And, of course, he didn't even look at me. He kind of waved behind himself like, yeah, yeah, son, I'm talking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no, I, I, I opened it right there in the store, and I just immediately fell in love because I didn't really know who the characters were. I had seen, like, Spider-Man on TV. I'm sure I'd seen the characters around, but I had never read comics, really, at that point. The only comics I had read up to that point were two issues of G.I. Joe that I bought off the Kmart spinner rack. <laughs> um, yep. Just because they had Road Pig on the cover of G.I. Joe number 90, and for some reason I love Road Pig. Because <laughs> um, he's awesome. Because he's awesome. <laughs> but I, I always liked lore, like, Prior to this, I think the one thing I probably fanboyed the most about was fantasy novels. You know, I, um, this was before, like, The Wheel of Time. And I was never into The Lord of the Rings, but I read, like, the David Eddings, Belgariad, Belgariad books and the Pierce Anthony Xanth books. And I oh, always yeah. just liked the lore of, like, these fictional worlds. So that's what I was into with the cartoons. I wasn't even so much the toys. The toys were cool. I was a kid. I liked toys, but I never had to have every toy because to me it was yeah. – I, I was more interested in the cartoon and learning about the story. So getting the trading cards was like, I didn't know who any of the characters were, but you turn it over and there's this whole backstory. And it's like, at this point, it's decades of backstory about their arch nemeses and how they got their powers. And then there's cards where they're like, wait, why does Spider-Man have two different costumes? And when did that happen? And, you know, mm-hmm. when, when, when did Wolverine become Patch and all this stuff? And I just had to have them. And I bugged my dad. He bought me a couple of packs. And then I just became obsessed with collecting the whole set. And I don't know how it happened, but at some point I realized that there was a comic book store within walking distance of my house. And I was 11 and I was allowed to go. And I went in there looking for cards, but came out with comics and it was fucking over from then. (laughs) (laughs) Yup. We have those Marvel comics that are cards at Jerry's Closet, too. There's a couple of like specific ones I might get because, again, I. I would love to have the whole set, like just for nostalgia purposes. But for me, it was like I first heard of the New Warriors because they were a rookie card in that set. Yep. And the New Warriors mm-hmm. became, became yep. my, my favorite comic. That first day I went in there, I bought New Warriors number 11. Uh, no, 12, number 12, which is the weirdest comic to start on. My first comic of a series <laughs> that I actually collected, not just a random G.I. Joe, but I bought New Warriors number 12. And it's the weirdest issue because not only is it 12 issues into the run – of characters I don't know about, but it was an alternate reality story 
where they were in ancient Egypt and it was the second part of the story and I didn't get the first part. And I didn't know. I just picked it up because I was like, oh, fucking there's Nova on the cover. And <laughs> but I was so fascinated by what happened in that book and Wolverine gets killed. And I was just like, Jesus, like this is awesome. And I had to go back and get more. And like I said, after that, it was <laughs> like I'd be at the shop every day. I'd be at the Super Flea. If anybody was selling comics in some random quarter box, I'd spend my entire allowance on it. And, you know, and I just became obsessed with reading everything that I could until I kind of narrowed in on be- becoming a Marvel zombie until Image Comics came out. And oh, then, yeah. And then I just became yeah. a nut. I became an absolute nut after that point. So. <laughs> I don't really have many Marvel, but man, Marvel Zombies was so good. Everybody was in there. Oh, yeah. The Marvel Zombies <laughs> comics like, were awesome. Jesus. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> See, I now love with that series. With the comic book stuff, it's funny because, like, I just kind of sporadically bought comics um, up until Image. It was like. I like I said I was reading the Ninja Turtle stuff that my sister my sister always got me started on comic books. She got me started on the GI Joe books, but it's like I didn't collect them religiously. It was just like if I saw them I'd buy one. So like I might miss an issue or two and then same thing with the Archie uh, Adventures and the Ninja Turtle Adventure comics. Um same way with those and then the the uh Mirage books. Any any time that I could find one I would buy it. But like, you know, I I had like random pieces of stories and you know, I I'd read what I had. But and then I started reading X-Men. I want to say that it was maybe 89, 89 or 90 that I started reading X-Men. I know it was before the Jim Lee run, Mm -hmm. because like once he whenever he did the like the whole blue and gold team, like Mm -hmm. I was reading it right before that. So whatever year that was that that started 91, 91. Okay, so then it must have been 90 because I. I was reading Uncanny X-Men, like they were out in space and like, mm-hmm. you know, I got the first appearance of Gambit where like Storm nice. was a child nice. and like all this random crap. Nice. And then like I, I got the, you know, and then I became obsessed with the idea of variant covers with that X-Men run. Oh, yeah. like, oh, oh no. I, I got a covers could get you in deep. And, <laughs> that's, and that's where I became an obsessive collector was because of that freaking run. And then image launching. And of course, image was like, you know, they, they were playing right into that, like hologram cover, holographic cover, embossed cover. Here's three covers for the same issue. You know, mm-hmm. oh, you got to get this issue of Spawn. This one has a special ticket inside that if you get three of them, you can order this half issue. You know, like all that <laughs> crap. I became obsessed to the point where I sold all of my old Archie books and my G.I. Joe books and all that at a super. Uh... So it's like, well. Yeah, this, this, I'm a serious collector now. I got to get all the <laughs> freaking image. And I regret it so bad because mm-hmm. I have gone back and reread those old Archie comics. And mm-hmm. I fucking love them. They're some of my favorite comic books ever. The old, uh, you know, Ninja Turtle Adventure comics. Um, yep. But yeah, like that was where I became an obsessive collector. Because up to that point, I wasn't a completist in any regard. Like mm-hmm. any, any of the toy lines I liked, any of the, you know, the comic books I liked. It wasn't like, oh, it's a new figure. I have to get it. It was like, do I like that figure? Is that a figure that mm-hmm. I can fit into my play pattern? You know, like I never followed the cartoons or the the source material. I always made up my own stories. So like, I didn't care if it was an important character in the show. If I looked at the toy and I was like, well, I'm not going to play with that. I didn't get it. You know, mm-hmm. like I didn't need freaking Vernon from Ninja Turtles. I'm like, I don't want Vernon. <laughs> Screw him. 
like you know, give me give me Bebop and Rocksteady, stuff like that. But uh, you know who got me into serious collecting? Who's that? Mike Alvarez. <laughs> really? Uh-oh. Like Uh-oh. I I was I was seriously like the same thing. Like I'd see something, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's cool. I get that. A lot of it was my dad was sending me stuff, so I would tell my dad what I like, and he would just mail it to me. So a good ninety percent of my collection is from my dad. Mm-hmm. And then only like 10% is actually I bought, you know, I picked out and everything. But when I met Mike, he was letting me borrow, you know, you were letting me borrow your comic collection. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> um, you kept on sending me home with series. So like I'd come over for the week, you know, we do our sleepover movie, all that. Um, <laughs> you play video games, my lullaby. And yep. then you'd send me home with a series. And then by the next time I came back, I would have it all read. So you'd be like, okay, here's the next one. And that's how I read the boys that's how I read preacher um that's <laughs> yeah. how I got into the walking dead like and I yeah. think the with walking dead it was like 30 issues in so then after that I had to uh I started getting single issues and then I just got the trades for the issues one through 30 yep yeah I yeah. blame Mike too I blame Mike too for me still collecting cards honestly <laughs> <laughs> I do. Oh man, he's like, read this. Yeah. Like, here's some crack. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm like a dealer. I'm I'm getting everyone into podcasting. I'm getting yeah. <laughs> not well, not that that's I, a bad thing. I mean, we enjoy this stuff, so this there's true, love yeah. coming out of it. Yeah, I've resisted. I've resisted the toy thing. You you send me toys sometimes, and I'm like, these are awesome, but I don't want any more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was I, I just just to back up a little bit. I was gonna say it's funny we had a pretty similar like uh, early '90s arc, Mike, because I got really into reading comics right away, um, and it was just buying whatever I could off the rack. Like I remember I very early on fell in love with She-Hulk because I just grabbed a random issue off the rack where John mm-hmm. Byrne was doing She-Hulk and the New Warriors, and I always liked the Z-list characters like Quasar <laughs> or whatever, and. But pretty soon I was getting frustrated because it was so far into every book. Like I was able to get the first 11 issues that I missed of the New Warriors pretty easily. But like I couldn't read Quasar. It was 35 issues in or She-Hulk was 42 issues in. And God forbid I try to read Spider-Man or Batman hundreds of issues in. And my problem is that I wanted traits. Exactly. Well, I wanted a whole story, you know, and so what I did to kind of ease my way in was if there was a crossover, well, then that was my that was my chance. Now I can finally read the Avengers and Iron Man because they're doing a crossover and I'll get the whole story. Maybe not, you know, decades of the backstory, but it was like trying to find a way to find a beginning. So, yeah, when X-Men number one, when the adjective list X-Men was relaunched in 1991, I had to pick it up. I got all the covers. I fell in love with Jim Lee. And then they were launching a bunch of issues, the new number ones. And there, there was that whole, like I mentioned, like the the rookie crew, like with the mm-hmm. new Warriors and Darkhawk and fucking I love Sleepwalker. And oh, so I just yeah. I was never like a big collector of like I didn't care about alternate covers and shit. I just wanted a number one so that I could then have the whole story from the beginning. So yeah. when Image came out, it was perfect because I could get every number one. I, I didn't have to worry about the issues of X-Force I missed because I could get Youngblood number one and read the whole story. And so, yeah, I became obsessed with that. And um, 
you know, side note, I actually learned that, that the Turtles were a comic book from the Savage Dragon because he did two crossovers in the first 20 issues. Yep. The original Mirage characters, oh. and which I thought which I thought was awesome. I learned, you know, they showed up in the comic and I'm like, wow, why did they act so strange? And it was in the letters page that Eric Larson explained that these are the real Turtles, you know, and I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it, some, sometimes the crossovers work, you know. But anyway, I'm trying to go quickly because it's like fast forward to like 1995 and the comic industry, the mainstream comic industry sucked. There was still a lot of good comics on the rack, but everybody knows like Marvel was imploding, Image was dying, the collector market had burst the bubble for everybody, and I ended up quitting. I was in high school and I was trying to spend my money on like hanging out with my friends and trying to get, you know, date girls or you know whatever and it yeah. was like i just had other stuff to spend my money on i got involved in other things became obsessed with you know with other types of stuff getting into music or whatever but it wasn't until you and i met i had briefly dipped my toe back into buying some comics again like 1999 2000 just occasionally and yeah i would i was buying trade paperbacks i bought the Mar- marvels by kurt Busiek and alex ross and the first astro city but when mike you and i met we started by comic comics and you know one of these days we'll tell that whole origin story but the, <laughs> The point is that you were like, oh, here, take Preacher. I have all the trades. And Johnny the Homicidal Maniac or uh, the Adventures of Barry Ween or Dork or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you had – and you were just a, you were just lending me stuff. And it was it was seeing that there were books out there that weren't just Marvel, DC Image superheroes. Like there was all this other stuff that was mm-hmm. – you know, but even still published by DC. Like easy to find, easy to get in a comic mm-hmm. book store. And that's when I was like, oh, well – you know, part two of, oh, it's fucking on now. <laughs> House of Mystery. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I forgot about House of Mystery. Oh, yeah. They, they did a really cool relaunch of that. Uh, not, oh, well, yeah. Like yep, 10 or 15 years ago now, but it was so good. Um, but, yeah, you know, so we all blame Mike. Mike, it's all your fault. We're all broke because of you. <laughs> Mike, we love you. <laughs> I, I'm still going to push whatever crazy thing I'm into next. <laughs> this episode was supposed to be about us you know giving the origin story of how we got into pop culture fandom and really this is just us exposing mike for being a dealer and a pusher call <laughs> <laughs> in let us I know got... your mike stories <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> the lines funny. are open listeners call in <laughs> it's funny too because josh i remember when you and i first started hanging out like our one of our very first conversations w- was very heavily about comic books, and mm-hmm. like the next time we saw each other, I I can't remember if I had just gone to House of Fantasy, or if I just had my stuff in my bag with me. But I remember like showing you a bunch of single issue comics, and we were just like chatting about books, and I was telling you about like what I wanted to what I wanted to make, mm-hmm. and then that kind of like you know snowballed into the whole comic thing, which again we one day will talk about. But yeah. I do vividly remember like sitting at Denny's with like a pile of comic books. <laughs> like, <laughs> look at this one. Oh, check this out. This is awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't remember that exact moment because there were several times that that happened where, you know, yeah, right. you would, it was just like take a big stack of comics out of your bag or, Oh, look at this shit. Like, look at this, you know, look at squee or whatever, you know, all, all that, like all that early two thousands, like slave labor goth stuff was you know, like gloom cookie and all mm-hmm. that shit. That, that was all super popular. And I never really got into it that much, but again, it was like, it was just a gateway into shit. They make comics like this now. Like that's so cool. You know? Yeah. And I had read some underground comics when I was younger. Cause I did work at the house of fantasy comic book store when I was 15 and the owner was the same as you. He was just pushing shit 
shit on me. Paul would just be like, oh, you have <laughs> oh, to read yeah. this. In fact, he would tell me, like, you can't work here if you haven't read Cerebus and Mouse and Baker Street and Miracle Man. You know, it's like, yeah. And so he was always <laughs> pushing this stuff on me. And some of it was like, I didn't fucking get Cerebus when I was 15. Like, I didn't make, it made no sense to me. I was like, this is so weird, you know. So I knew about underground comics. But it wasn't until you showed me all this stuff that was easy to find. And that was what I yeah was a, was a revelation to me. It was like, oh, I don't have to go digging through some weird back issue bin or like know a guy who knows a guy. Like I can just go to any store and buy these. Like this is so cool. Yeah, yeah remember and- for horror movies where we used to have to go to a specific place to like hunt them down like Mondo videos. Oh my god! To get like yep. that underground good stuff that was coming out. You really had to hunt that shit down, or someone made a copy, or their brothers uncle made a copy and it's then all grainy it. yeah <laughs> sorry josh <laughs> no no that, that's exactly the same yeah exactly the same thing back there was a certain period where yeah you kind of had to know a guy who had it you know a movie taped on vhs or like i never saw the original teenage mutant ninja turtles comics to get back to that like i knew that they came out from like mirage for example i never saw one in person because it was like you had to know a guy who had those in his collection you couldn't just walk into any old store and like find him in the back issues so i think part of that is lost in fandom it still exists to a certain degree like there's still those dark corners you have to dig through to find the weird shit but it's i think it's cool now that so many things are so much more accessible and a lot of creators were are going back now and re-releasing, you know, old movies and now they're they're yeah. coming out in like digital remasters or old comics. Suddenly everyone's putting out a fucking omnibus on Kickstarter for every weird underground comic from the nineties that you yep. never thought you'd see again. Uh yeah, it's I think right now we're living in a heyday. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's so much, you know, like we were saying earlier, it's just like it's so much to consume that like there's yeah. no way you're going to possibly be able to like consume everything that you're interested in. You got to kind of pick and choose. That's one of the biggest problems I face on a very regular basis, because you figure most of my uh, most of my free time is spent doing podcasts these days, like, you know, between this and Count Creepy Head and Boogeyman's Closet, like, I'm always planning something or recording something. So, like, a lot of my movies are, like, what I consume movie-wise are stuff I have to watch for this show and Boogeyman's Closet. And then, like, you know, I have stuff I want to read. I have stuff that I have to work on, like, for, for art projects. So I have all my other little side hustles going on. Then I, you know, work 40 hours a week. I'm a dad, you know? <laughs> so there's, like, all these other yep. things vying for my time. This is why I still have video games that I have purchased uh, in January and February that aren't done yet. <laughs> like I, I started playing them, like I'll get back to them one of these days. I'll have time, you know. But it's it's hard yep. to try to consume everything that you want. Um, or like I was saying at the start of this, like trying to like catch up on on um, the Last of Us before the Comic Con because I'm like, don't spoil it, you know. <laughs> It's like it's yep. been done for months, but my ass hasn't gotten around to it. Yeah, Josh and then people say, don't have an understanding for that. You know, you get people that are like, well, are you serious? Are you really a fan then? Or like, are yeah. you really taking this serious and stuff? <laughs> and it's like, no, you know, you got other stuff going on in your life. It's like I, I'm ta- I'm taking my life serious, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my fandoms I enjoy. But yeah, no, yeah. the people that obsess with it, like they have to watch it immediately, like. One of the things I absolutely hate is feeling like I have to rush out and watch a movie or it's going to get spoiled for me. Like, I really, really wanted to see uh, Across the Spider-Verse. So that I was already chomping at the bit to see, but I didn't get to see it 
for like, I think it was like four days that it was out for. And for those four days, I was getting asked by so many people, did you watch it yet? Did you see it yet? Did you see it? Oh my God, you got to know this one part. And it's like, no, shut up. No. And I was like, I'm dodging spoilers. I'm like, just mm-hmm. don't talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hate. <laughs> we, well, you can go back in the Raised by Rentals archive. Our 10th episode ever, we did a rental rant on spoiler alert, asshole. That was <laughs> yep, <the> yep. <laughs> yep, totally. It was a good one. <laughs> but but I was gonna say real quick, Josh, when you had mentioned Paul pushing stuff as well, mm-hmm. he he did that to me constantly, um, which is how I got into so many different books. Because I when I first went back to the House of Fantasy after I see I quit comics when I was about twelve or thirteen and would only buy like an occasional like spawn book. Um like if I saw Leo spawn on the spinner rack, I'm like, yeah, I'll get that. Um, so I was like, you know, cause I still loved the character, but like, I had no idea what the hell was going on for years with, with, with his storyline. But then in the late nineties, I decided I got a weird bug up my ass. I'm going to draw a comic book. Cause I was insane apparently. <laughs> and um, so I started going and buying books and it's like, I'm looking, you know, again, at what I used to collect. I, I started rereading spawn and getting curse of spawn and buying those like, you remember when Walmart used to do the bag of comics for like two dollars and oh, it was yeah. like, <laughs> like a bunch of random like X Factor, Iron Man, Silver Surfer, shit like that. I was buying those. But then I discovered Lenore, the, the cute little dead girl by Roman. Yeah, Durkin. love it. <laughs> and that made me go, oh, I can totally fucking draw a comic book. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm going to do this because like I didn't know, like it didn't have to be like all, you know, big pecs, big guns, you know, big capes. Like, it could be something cool. And um, so I, I started reading the slave labor stuff. So I went to House of Fantasy looking specifically for John and the Homicidal Maniac. Because um, I had bought uh, issue one at Hot Topic. <laughs> I was like, like oh, look at this. The 90s. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> and, and he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, I don't have it in the store, but I can I can special order it for you. And then he would start recommending other stuff for me. And, and like, he, he was trying to kind of stay away from superheroes, but recommending random you know weird sci-fi and horror stuff um so i started getting the avatar books like you know strange Mm. kiss all those kind of things oh yeah love them because again because of paul and i'll never forget i i went to house of fantasy with kara one time it was right after my birthday and she was like i'm gonna buy you something for your birthday what what do you want and i'm like i don't know she's like well let's go get you a comic book or something so i'm like okay so we went to the comic book store and paul is pushing preacher hard He's like, you need to read Preacher. And I'm like, I was like, ah, it's like a $15 trade. I didn't want to ask. I was like, I was just going to get a comic book for my birthday. I don't want to ask my friend to buy that. So she yeah. was like, no. And she grabbed it. She was like, I'm buying it for you. And then Paul's like, oh, my God. Oh, you're going to love it. It's got everything. It's <laughs> It's got assassins. It's got vampires. There's chicken fucking. And I'm like, why was that one of the selling points? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, give me Paul. <laughs> yeah. One of those things where I'm like, it, it it was enough intrigue where I'm like, how does chicken fucking work in with vampires and assassins? Well, I guess I got to read it now. So. Oh, yeah. But, I, I don't remember what issue it was, but I remember when he was telling me to read Miracle Man, he told me the cool story about how 
Alan Moore like brought this old character back and you know reinvented it for like the 90s and it was super like dark and and realistic and gory like pre-Watchmen but the thing that he sold me on was not the original storyline but it was I think the second storyline when Rick Beach takes over the artwork he's like oh it's the most realistic depiction of childbirth you're ever going to see in a comic they just really zoom in in there you can see the head coming out <laughs> it's crowning it's like so gory and disgusting check this out and I'm like I'm 15 like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like describing a cross comic to someone. Oh my god! Oh, I've tried to describe cross to people. I'm oh. like, um, oh, uh, I feel yeah. dirty. Yeah, you just you just need to see. <laughs> oh my god! Or any of Garth Ennis's weird old jokes. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, yeah. Garth like, Ennis, he he built his whole career on like how gross and over the top can I go? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You remember his comic, A Couple of Dicks, the two oh, detectives, yes. and how <laughs> does it does it still have all the bad ideas for superheroes like in the back? The abortionator, hell yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, that's what I was thinking of. Oh the my gosh, I have to look at my copy now. Yeah, oh my well, I, I have one of the trade paperbacks. It's been printed, oh. reprinted a couple of times. I have the black and white trade paperback. I want to get the color one one of these days. But yeah, I love that book. It was yeah, he, that, that's what he was all about. He came up with Preacher, and Preacher was so over the top. And you like look up his bibliography, and it's like you know Bloody Mary and Dicks, yep. and um, he did a couple of like you know kind of straightforward books. But so much of what he was doing was just like how in your face and over the top and extreme can I get away with? I would go to the comic store and specifically look for his stuff and anything I could find, I'd pick up, you know, Garth Ennis and Warren Ellis. Those were the two. Alan Moore was the other one for me. anything. Alan Moore. It's like, okay, give it to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I used to, I used to ingest Warren Ellis. Like it was crack, man, especially Transmetropolitan. And yeah, then he did a whole series of books at Avatar and he bounced around publishers. He would go to a publisher and like put out a whole line of books every couple of years. And yeah, that was always really exciting. I have a shitload of his stuff in my collection. Should I still read his, I still read his email newsletter every week. (laughs) He's he's awesome. (laughs) He even did the, the fricking GI Joe resolute cartoon for adult swim. That was one of the coolest GI Joe things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, and it was, Castlevania uh, on Netflix. That that's oh, I forgot he did that. That's oh, right. Yeah. But one of my favorite Warren Ellis things ever is Crooked Little Vein. I cannot oh, yeah. recommend that book enough. It is so fucking funny. It is. So oh my good. god. <laughs> like I I remember when I borrowed it from my buddy Mike at uh, at the hospital. He was like, oh yeah. He goes, you 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 need to read this. Check it out. So I was like, all right, cool. I figured I'll read a chapter or two before bed. I started mm-hmm. reading it. I got up out of bed so I wouldn't disturb Jess when she came to bed and went and sat downstairs the entire night. This is back when I used to work one or one uh, day shift a week. So it was like I had to get up for a day shift and I'm like reading at like three in the morning. Like, I got to finish this book. I can't put it down. I read the whole fucking book. Yeah. Dude, I had almost the same story. I didn't. I'm a slow reader, actually, which sucks because I read so many comics. But yeah, it took me two or three sittings, but that's way faster than anything else that I've ever read. It had, it has one of those chapters that's like it's a gimmick chapter where it's like one sentence, but it's like one of the cleverest ideas for like a sex scene ever. Mm-hmm. Right at right after you're reading some of the most horrible shit you've ever heard of, and then he's like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, we'll be real demure <laughs> with the sex scene," you know. And uh, I, yeah, I, Crooked Little Vein's great. I remember him telling a story in his newsletter about how he had switched agents. 
and he was still exclusively writing comics and occasionally doing stuff for like TV and movies, like script work. But his agent mm-hmm. was really, really pushing him to write more prose because he used to do these like quick short stories in his email newsletter as just like practice, you know. And she was like, I love your prose. You got to give me a novel. You know, I'll be your agent no matter what. But I know a shitload of people, you know, in like the traditional publishing market. That's where I came from, blah, blah, blah. And he basically was like trying to get her to leave him alone because he didn't want to write a novel. He wasn't interested. So she kept pestering him. So he would send her these ideas, like these elevator pitches of just the worst shit he could possibly come up with, you know, ranging from just a terrible idea for a book to, well, I'm going to go on the internet and find the grossest, you know, darkest, deepest, nastiest corner of the internet. And I'm going to tell her, oh, I want to write a novel about this shit. And thinking that he would scare her away, but she was so into it and, you know, thought it was such an amazing idea that nobody else would do that. And so he was like, well, shit, give me the book deal advance. Let's go. You know, (laughs) (laughs) and you can definitely see it when you read that. Yeah, definitely. He put it all in there. He did his research. That's for sure. (laughs) Oh, he's got some, some of those chapters. Holy hell. (laughs) There's some weird stuff. Do you remember uh, Bad Worlds? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that was was that his he did Bad World and Bad Signal. Bad Signal was like his mm-hmm. emails that he had like illustrated. Right. And Bad World, I think, was like pinups. And then he would write like, you know, weird shit like captions yeah. for him. Am I remembering that yeah. right? Yeah. And it was yeah. weird shit that actually happened. That's so what it, was. it yeah. was like there was the uh, the one that sticks in my brain is the <laughs> the guy who died uh, uh, like uh, there was an avalanche that fell on him. And it when they took the rocks off of him and found his body, he had his dick and a chicken that was also under him. Oh god. <laughs> he had been fucking a chicken so vigorously that he caused an avalanche. He was in a little ravine. And, like I'll never forget that because like the the drawing was awful. But like reading about that and then going, wait, wait, wait. Because in the back he's like, all of these are based on true stories. And I'm like, oh God. Like so I'm trying not to stand up and look at that. Right. (laughs) It somehow comes back to chicken fucking, Mike. What the hell? I know. It's always chicken fucking. How does this keep happening? But that, there was a bunch of stuff in that that made it into Crooked Little Vein. So there was, um, like, the, I forget what it is, but the people who fetishize giant lizards. Oh, yeah. Like, basically (laughs) fetishize Godzilla. That yeah. was in Bad World, but it also showed up, obviously, as you know, a crooked little vein. And the saline injections, if I'm not mistaken, there was something about saline injections in one of those comics that he did. That, of course, was that whole sequence in Crooked Little Vein. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I won't I won't get into it now, but I, I read the story about how he he did his research like by meeting people who were doing that and like in real life. Like he not he wasn't just reading about it, but he actually went and met them. Uh, oh, wow. Doing, yeah, the, the best saline, way. It was, yeah, it was people who were doing they were using saline injections as temporary body modification, like creating patterns under their skin or whatever. But of course, it always gets sexual and gross. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's that that's that internet rule. Which one is it, Mike? You always know the internet rule. Oh, rule rule thirty four. Yeah, exactly. If you if you can think it, porn exists of it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> True. One more thing that I, I did want to mention. 
so a pattern that we all kind of had is like we kind of seem to fall out of our like fandoms around our teenage years you know Mm -hmm. when we're like courting and meeting people and you're getting comfortable with people and then you know once you start kind of dating somebody and you really have like that connection stuff you start being like oh yeah I'm obsessed with this thing or of course they're going to notice it you know around and stuff it's (laughs) not as easy to hide when you're dating and stuff and I think it's funny how like everybody's a nerd about something like everybody oh, has yeah. something they're nerd about even sports like they're sports nerds like josh you were mentioning you didn't mm-hmm. think of that before but now yeah. you know you kind of see like yeah it's just the same thing they're obsessed like we are it's just a different thing so um one of the things that um my partner travis was really big about is cars he's like a really big car guy he was a mechanic for a long time he likes to you know work with his hands and build stuff so i started going to car shows which is you know something i was like not too interested in or whatever but there's two cars that i've seen that i always get excited for so now like i'm excited to go to car shows because i'm like yeah <laughs> i might see him again and when i tell you guys are totally gonna know why and it's totally my nerd coming out so the first <laughs> one is the corvette stingray Oh, yeah. Which is I what the Batmobile that. was based on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so anytime I could see one of those, like, and I remember when I first saw it, I didn't know that, but I was looking at it, I was like, what the fuck, the Batmobile? <laughs> just like, you know, like, looking at it, and then I found out later that it's based on, I was like, all right, that makes sense. <laughs> and the other one was a VW thing in orange. So oh, it's okay. a big, blocky oh, wow. Jeep. And it's called The Thing. And oh, so um, cool. I've seen one in orange. Yeah. I just Googled it. Like, that looks awesome. Yep. Yeah. Because it looks I'm like looking, <laughs> looking at it right now, too. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I feel like this would be in, like, an episode of, like, you know, Scooby-Doo where they, like, go to the beach. You know? Oh, like, yeah, am I wrong? Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. Totally. Totally. <laughs> That's it's funny awesome. that, like, we can find our, our nerdum in other people's mm-hmm. nerdum, too. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. like, really cool. That's well, really cool. Yeah, uh, it's like, Josh, you've talked about this countless times with Count Creepyhead, where it's like you don't collect toys, but because, you know, you're, you're hearing people talk passionately about something that they enjoy, like, you also get kind of intrigued and, and end up, you know, listen, or at least knowing stuff about it because you're intrigued by their fandoms, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. And I've mentioned that in several episodes. That's true of a lot of things. You know, I've mentioned how many how many books I've read about mountain climbing before. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck about mountain climbing. But when people talk about the things that they obsess about, yeah, I, I love it. You know, whether it's, you know, marathon racing or or even sports. I read a whole book on an airplane once about how people make baseballs like how they're constructed and the history of it and why they're designed that way and and, Mm -hmm. you know where the materials come from and like it sounds boring but i was super fascinated because i'm like you never think to ask that like why did what the fuck are those little red stitches for why is it in that weird shape and like there's a whole huge story and when you read somebody or watch somebody or listen to somebody who tells you that story but they're able to do it from this perspective of being a fan and they're excited and they're really into it and passionate and they want you to be as passionate as they are. And it's like, you can't help, but kind of get the bug a little bit, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. I was saying, and I think that that's just you know, a great 
summation of what we're talking about here, right? The whole idea was, you know, what was it when you were a kid? What person or thing did somebody tell you about that where they were so excited that you had to check it out, you know? And when mm-hmm. you did, you were like, oh, well, shit, yeah, like, yeah, this is for me, you know? And Absolutely. Because you never know what you're going to be into until you get exposed to it. So that's the great point of like having conversations with so many people and bringing in so many people into your group. Because then you're mm-hmm. seeing all these different perspectives and all these different things that might be your favorite thing next week. You know, you don't know. Ab- well, yeah. absolutely. Like when, when I worked at Media Play, I, you know, I, I didn't have a huge musical knowledge when I started working there. Like I knew the bands that I liked. I liked, you know, there was, there was a, I was teenager when i was working there so it's like i like green day like the offspring you know there's like handful of 90s bands but there was nothing that i was like super super into when i started working with all of these like you know different different uh like all these different people who are interested in different types of music i started Mm -hmm. trading cds with people and like that's when i started getting into all sorts uh, of musical genres and some of my favorite yeah. albums came out of talking to other people about their music, mm-hmm. you know, and learning like, oh, well, I've never heard this band. Let me check them out and just falling in love with that music. So and that happened yeah. again and again throughout my throughout my life, not just with music, but like with film, with books, with, you know, comics and hell, even some toys like I, I, I shit you not. I never thought that I would spend like a large amount of money on on building brick toys. Like, you know, mega constructs, <laughs> Lego, whatever. Yeah. But Josh Hibbard, you know, started building this freaking Lego city and it was amazing. And yeah. <laughs> so they're like, I want to play with Legos too. So was like, I started buying I have Lego. Monster High Legos. Yeah, we actually have some <laughs> nice. of those as well. Yeah, <laughs> That's awesome. they're fun. But yeah, it's like, you know, you, you meet new people and they, they introduce you to these crazy, you know, crazy passions that they have. And it's like, ooh, I want to try that. You know, and Sam, you mentioned getting into comics in a really heavy way later on, like after you had mm-hmm. already been hanging out with Mike and it was like the era of Walking Dead or the boys or whatever. So, you know, it would have been like the, what, late 2000s, 2010, something like that. You know, so you're uh, already, early 2000s. There you go. But you're already yeah. an adult. You're already into other things. And it's sometimes <laughs> funny how people find fandoms later on in life. You know, you it's like you eventually come across the thing because we talk about how we got into stuff when we were kids, mostly or maybe young adults. Uh, like I didn't get into listening to heavy music until I was probably 18, right? 18 or 19, which mm-hmm. now I listen to mostly heavy music, but still, I was still young, but like my wife is a perfect example. Uh, she, she's really, really into plants, right? She's got plants all over the house, you know, house plants mm-hmm. and, and flowering plants and, you know, whatever, that's her thing. They're, they're decorations and they're like little pets and, you know, she her loves and Travis are so much alike. <laughs> yeah, they really are. <laughs> And I have so many places in my house. Like right now I can look out the doorway and there's a vine hanging down from the second story. And that's, <laughs> she loves that. She loves when there's plants that grow all over the house on their own with like creepers and vines. But that didn't happen until we moved into the house we live in now where we moved in here in 2019. So we've been married for more than, or almost 20 years now. And all this time I've been a comic book fan and she's talked about, okay, it'd be fun to have a hobby, you know, something I could, you know, I can do on the side. But mm-hmm. there was never really anything that really caught her interest until for some reason, a couple of years ago, you know, she got a plant and then another plant and another plant. <laughs> and before you know it, like, you know, like I'll go to the store and be like, well, I didn't mean to stop at half price books on the way home, but they had the discount rack updated, you know, with all the comics. Like I didn't mean to buy comics. 
comics today. They were just there. And, you know, now, she, you know, again, she'll go to the, the grocery store and she was like, well, the nursery's on the way home. What am I supposed to do? Not stop? Gee. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, yep. to be to be fair, that's me. Anytime I go into a department store like Walmart or Target, I'm like, well, I got to look at the toys. Come on. <laughs> there was us. We were talking earlier about, you know, because right now I'm going through that program to change careers and stuff. And we're hoping a lot of business comes in the store because I'm going without a paycheck for a little while. And I was like, well, we you did just buy a lot of plants, like saying to Travis. And he's like, yeah, but look at my garden. It's beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. It is. <laughs> exactly. Look at my wall of comics. It's beautiful. I have yeah, a wall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, like I said, this is not one of our improv episodes, and we typically like to try to keep these a little bit shorter, but I think this is an awesome place to stop. I think we've kind of gone full circle around where we started and, you know, where we, where we ended up as adults. And, yeah, this has just been fun. There's been no real point to the episode other than just to enjoy going down memory lane a little bit and sharing some stories. And we hope anyone listening has similar stories or better ones that you can tell us about. So yeah, you know, leave us a comment, leave us a rating, whatever you want, and let us know what you think about your own fandom and how you got into it. You know, we would love to hear, but before we sign off, uh, Sam, do you want to share anything, any plugs for Jerry's closet or anything Uh, else you're doing these days? Yes. So Jerry's closet opens Saturdays and Sundays, nine to four in the East Aurora flea market. Just take the 400, get off at East Aurora, and it's right down across from the Dollar General. Um, we're going to be doing a Metal Fest July 29th. That's at Rapids Theater. And then July 28th, there's a pre-party for Metal Fest at Buffalo Saloon. I'm pretty sure that's it. Uh, check our social media just in case it's not, but I'm pretty sure that's it. But um, they're going to do a basket raffle. There's a meet and greet with the bands, um, kind of get to hang out with some of the other vendors before Metal Fest. And then I'm doing a event in August, August 19th and 20th in Rochester for Adult Wave, it's called. And it's a cannabis and adult entertainment and uh magazines comics all adult themed so we'll be there with our our deep in jerry's closet catalog which (laughs) you can get on big cartel nice nice that's awesome yeah thanks for sharing we hope everyone checks out uh that event and or those events and yeah everyone go visit jerry's closet if you're in western new york make the trip it will be worth it i still want to get down there (laughs) it's like working nights is a plague man (laughs) <laughs> Damn it, I want to get down there because I'm I'm so jealous of all the stuff that uh Omay keeps showing. I'm like, I gotta go I know. over and look. <laughs> if I can get them to open the doors earlier, you know, I could uh get you in there right after work, but sometimes the guy's not there till like eight and it's like right. ah that's right past <laughs> that sweet spot, you know. It's, yeah, because then I'll be driving home all half asleep, like ah. <laughs> you know. I could take you to breakfast. True, true. I, you know, I gotta, I gotta. But I know, I know your schedule's crazy, so don't feel pressured or anything. We'll figure it out at some time. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just ever since you know, uh, ha- you know, becoming a dad, having to pick up the kiddo yep. from school, I got that that sweet spot sleep schedule where it's like I'm out before eight eight a.m. and up usually <laughs> by two. So. <laughs> yep. But yep. Uh, and that's needed. You need that that schedule, especially to be able to function properly. Right. So, yeah, um, by the time this episode comes out, this will already have passed, but I have a comic convention uh, this weekend that I've been working very diligently on 
trying to get uh, pieces ready for. Um, unfortunately, I had a, a few printing snafus, so I'm I'm hoping that I can still move enough product to make back my my cost. Um, but I also uh, Boogeyman's Closet, as always, I'm running that. And uh, we are moving into our month of Wrong Place, Wrong Time films, which is a very odd collection of films. And uh, our, our uh, one of our first episodes, you will hear another vo- familiar voice from this episode. <laughs> oh, again, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Metal Fest will also have Mike Alvarez artwork. Woo-hoo. So if you are looking nice. for Mike Alvarez artwork, it will be at Metal Fest. Woo-hoo. And you, you recently put out the Cabin Fever episode of Boogeyman's Closet as of this recording, and I love that movie. I was bummed that I wasn't able to come and be the guest star on it because that's one of the movies that I kind of had in my head of like, oh, if he ever does this, i got to be on the episode. But it was really, really cool to hear Brian and Corey come on from uh, So It's Come to This, a Simpsons family podcast. That that yeah. I, I had a lot of fun with because I know Brian is not a horror fan. Like, he's he's joined us. For World's End and for uh, what we do in the shadows, which are both comedies, but, you know, they have horror elements to them. So to have him on like a body horror movie, I I thought that was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That was a good episode, too. So, yeah, everyone check out the Billy Mass Closet. Check out Count Creepyhead Saturday Morning Monster Mash. Check out Jerry's Closet. uh, All the other things, Metal Fest, everything that we've shared. They are all fantastic. And with that, we'll just go ahead and wrap it up. I have one more thing to say. We're going to plug our own show which is to say thanks to the fans for sticking around with us for 49 goddamn episodes. The very next episode you hear will be our big 50th episode special. And I will make the announcement right here. You've heard it first. Mike mentioned it a little bit on the most recent episode of Count Creepyhead, but our next episode will be, of course, it's summertime, and we're going to return to Slasher Camp. We'll be checking in with Freddie and Jason to see how they're doing running their victim camp. I mean, sleepaway camp. (laughs) (laughs) And there just might be a special visitor to the camp this year. Who's it going to be? Hmm. We'll find out. (laughs) But you'll have to keep listening. So keep us in your subscription feed. Thanks to everyone for tuning into the Raised by Rentals program. If you had fun with us, let us know. Drop us a line on the socials. Visit us. Give us a comment. Tell us your secret origin story. And with that, I'm Josh. I'm Mike. I'm Sam. And we have to return some videotapes. Raised by Rentals is a member of the Rad Pantheon Network. Visit radpantheon.com to support rad stuff. The theme music is Forbidden Fruit by Velvet Bethany. You can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh yeah!